Hello and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast. I'm Boyd Hilton and unites the summer holidays when not only are you scrabbling around for decent TV shows to review, but everyone in the media is also away at their Tuscan holiday home, including, as a matter of fact, our regular leader, James Dyer, who is currently sunning himself on his hammock while watching old episodes of Battlestar Galactica on his iPad, while his staff prepare the day's lavish delights ahead. Mm. Yes. Classic James. Uh, yeah, I hope you're having a lovely so time, James. Lazy. Be thinking of us. So lazy. I'll so introduce lazy. those voices in a second. Um, luckily, even though it is the height of the summer season, when ITV is showing Waterall James Bond films in primetime, they really are. I'm not making this up. And the BBC <laughs> is mostly sport right now. We have found some shows to review, including A Hen Night During the Apocalypse in Henpocalypse, the return of ITV's Jane Austen-ish period drama Sanditon. Sanditon? Sanditon. <laughs> Sanditon. Who knows? <laughs> and slightly <laughs> off-piste, we watched Ben Cumberbatch climbing up a rock in Running Wild <laughs> with Bear Grylls, colon, The Challenge. To make sense of all this summer madness, I'm thrilled to be joined by the Queen of Cuckoo Bong, Miss <laughs> Kay Ribeiro. Don't spell it wrong. Hello, Kay. Mm. Hello. <laughs> Cuckoo Bong's really taken off. Like, you know, it has. using it. But I, I don't even use it that much. I mean, out of the no. two of them, I usually say banana crackers, but you two have really latched yeah. onto this. But Queen of Cuckoo Bong is more alliterative, so it's, it's, it's yeah, better. Yeah, fine. Fair enough. Mm. And that other voice you've already heard, just, you know, kind of dipping in before she gets fully announced, is our Queen of Crime, brackets monthly, Stephanie Seelum. <laughs> okay. It, it isn't brackets monthly. It is just all the time, Boyd. I'm the queen of crime all the time, I like to say. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you are. You are the queen yeah. of crime all the time. <laughs> That's like a, uh, it's like a song lyric, yeah. Um, she's <laughs> the queen of crime all the time, Steph Seelan. <laughs> um, before we go on, before we go on, I do need to make, remind listeners of our live show coming up mm. next Saturday, the 19th of August. Wow. And... Um, I mean, it may be sold out by the time you this, but maybe not. Maybe it's worth checking out. I don't know what's happening. If you go Listen. to, go up, uh, just give me the link. Go on, go on. But yeah, uk forward slash what's hyphen on forward slash comedy forward slash pilot hyphen TV hyphen life hyphen 250th hyphen episode. It's very straightforward. <laughs> or um, you could just Google King's Place Pilot okay. TV 250 oh. and you'll find it. Right. I, I feel like you did that in response to me complaining last time that you didn't have that stuff ready yes. when you were trying to get yes. people to buy your tickets. Okay. Yes. But I, I'm Precisely. very impressed. Now, last time I was on and we were talking about this fantastic live show, you said mm. you were in the process of getting your mystery guest. Okay. Has that mystery guest been, been confirmed? Yes. yes. And it's, you know wait, wait, is that a mystery? Steph, Steph, is that a <laughs> no, tee no. up or you, you actually don't yeah, know? Yeah, you don't know. It's hard. No, I don't know. No, I oh, don't wow. know. Oh, my God. God. Breaking news, new, Steph. New, yeah, news are spread far and wide, but not to Steph, <laughs> who's so immersed. is so immersed in your crime that, you know, I, in, in, I cannot tell crime. you. Listen, I can't. This has been a massive week in crime. Okay, firstly, let me just explain why I don't know this because a massive paedophile ring has been, has, they, they basically bust a massive paedophile ring across two continents, okay? And also, for some reason, torture chambers are really having a moment, oh, okay? Wow. So okay. I'm regretting, I'm really regretting us going into yeah. that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know about you. I'm going to segue, but I'm going to segue <laughs> out of it. It's criminal, she doesn't know, but the guest is Boydo. Ricky Gervais. Woo-hoo! No! 
Oh my god! Are you god. joking? It's, Are you actually uh, joking? Back, step back from the mic, Steph. Step back. Oh, from sorry, the mic. sorry. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> exciting. How did you get yeah. him to do it? I don't know. I really. I just well, asked. you know, no. Yeah. Listen. So this is why I interjected earlier, rudely interrupting Boyd and his very natty small link that you should follow. Is that Boydo deserves our applause because he's absolutely ruddy pulled it out of the bag, and probably wow. from his roller decks is the truth of it. Um, and he's managed to secure a exclusive with Ricky. I mean, he hardly he doesn't do a lot of these things. I don't think does he? Doesn't he? do anything no, like that. No. So no, the fact that usually... he is leaving his North London home to come to talk to us is completely and utterly thrilling. It's good. It's big news. Yeah, there will be other guests as well. Oh by God. the way, that I can't. That by the time this goes out on uh, Monday, is that when it goes out? Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Um, they will be revealed hopefully as well. So there'll be yeah, there are other guests. Yeah, but Ricky, Ricky is confirmed for sure. Yeah. And why I I'm also very mm. excited about the other guests that we're not revealing yet. Very very excited. Yes. Okay. More importantly than all of that, so. Am I getting my free ticket? Oh, um, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, no, it should yeah. be all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In fact, not only that, Steph, you, you can have absolutely have a free ticket as long as you're prepared to uh, wait outside King's Place in uh, mm-hmm, King's Cross, mm-hmm. waiting for our guests to arrive, usher them in, show them to their. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh my I can totally do that. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, I've only yeah, you know what yeah, I'm going to do? It. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bring a box of crime monthlies and I'm going to hand them out so people can read them in, you Brilliant. know, if they get a bit bored. This, which they do won't, you know what this obviously is? Obviously fantastic. This is harking back to a time when Steph brilliantly helped out at the Empire Awards. She used to work yes. at Empire. She used to usher um the stars onto the stage and she's now going back to her roots. Mm. For mm. Listen, we all we all have to go back to our roots eventually. We all have. Mm. To. Who you is know the what? best Go on. Who's the best star you you ushered back in those days at the Empire? Which... Oh God, um, Roger Moore. Oh, oh that's wow, good. actual yeah. James Bond. That is good. Roger Moore. I mean, Brilliant. that was. I mean, so many incredible. I mean, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, so lots of Star Wars people I really loved. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing Roger Moore in the flesh was just because that's the James Bond I kind of watched as I was growing up, and I was like. Oh my god, this is just I mean. Did he this is just arch incredible. his eyebrow at you? No, he didn't. He was just so cute and just just oh, he was just wonderful. I loved him. He's my favourite James Bond. No, that's that's a good answer, I have to yeah. say. I'm very jealous. Yeah. Yeah, you should um, be. Anyway, back to TV. Uh so yeah, so that but do get tickets for a live show. There may still be tickets available. There are tickets available as we speak now. Um uh, on Thursday, recording this on Thursday, the tenth of August. Um uh, <laughs> but it'll be uh It'll be a jam-packed night, lots to fit in. And I think we're still doing that. But I don't know if anyone's ever checked, actually checked whether we can do the baked goods live on stage thing, but we'll, we'll see. Listen, I really need that. To, uh, maybe I'll take it upon myself to do this part of the yeah. admin because I have been under a considerable amount of stress the last few days. Steph, as you know, I'm not a baker and I've um, agreed to this bake-off. And so um, some of our loyal fans have been helping me with recipes and stuff and I'm going to do a practice bake at the weekend. But if this is all for nothing then you know there'll be hell to pay it should it should be fine i'm sure it's fine um so yeah that's the live show 19th of august be there get your tickets ricky gervais me k james dyer doesn't understand comedy he'll be there it's a comedy <laughs> special basically <laughs> that's the other thing that it's, will be the comedy a, it, without revealing who the other guests are without revealing who the other guests are stuff it is uh, it is literally going it, it's basically you could rename this whole thing um pilot tv's Live 250th comedy special because we've got 
guests from the world of comedy. Yeah, it's going to be good. Let us begin with the podcast in the order in which it's the time-honored tradition. We start with, what have you been watching recently? Kay Ribeiro. Okay, so I have been watching, um, what's the first thing? I've been, oh, right, I wanted to tell you, I've been watching This Cultural Life um, no. with Sally, yeah, with Sally Wainwright. So that's kind of mm. an unusual choice. I did watch it for work. Um, so yeah, it's um, John Wilson interviewing huge talents about their formative cultural influences. It's on BBC4, you can get it on iPlayer. And yeah, I watched the episode with Sally Wainwright and it was just fascinating because... Like everyone, I love Sally Wainwright's shows and um, it was interesting to see how she started and how big an influence her mum was. So um, that's the first thing. And then connected to that, I realised I haven't seen At Home with the Braithwaite's. Um, So yeah, so I dug Mm. that out. It's on ITVX for anyone else who missed it first time round. And it's about, as you'll all know, I'm sure, Amanda Redman winning 38 million on the Euro lottery and then not telling her family. And yeah, it's great. I mean, it's dated. It looks dated now, but it is, it is mm. great. Yeah. So that's what yeah, I've been that was, watching. We covered that in Heat. Yeah. We, we, I, I wrote about it extensively at Home with the Braithwaite's in Heat magazine in the, back in the day. And that's, that, was, <laughs> uh, that was how we first got to know uh, Sally Wainwright. Yeah. Uh, Steph, what have you been watching? Well, I mean, I know you do your spoiler special and everything. We talked about this last time, but I did obviously watch the end of Hijack, which was uh, just incredible. Mm-hmm. I won't, I won't go into that too much because I know you've talked about it extensively. But my god, so Hijack, been watching anything else? Yes. So again, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but has anybody watched The Deepest Breath on Netflix? No, it's a documentary. No. Oh, that. Yeah, that documentary kind of film, maybe film, but yeah. you know, go ahead. It's, it, well, yeah, it's a doc. <laughs> sorry, it's a documentary film about uh, free divers. So these are, yes. if you don't know, people who literally just actually hold their breath and dive down to the water. It is, to use your phrase, Kay, cuckoo bong. Mm. But this yeah. is an incredible. I really like. I really like things like this. I really like extreme. We'll get onto non-extreme sports later when we talk about Benedict Cumberbatch walking along that little ridge. But for but for this, this is an extreme sport. And this is all about an Italian freediver called Alicia Zacchini and her safety diver, Stephen Keenan. And it is an unbelievable story. And it's one of those things where it's a world that most people have no knowledge of, know nothing about, but you you get become literally immersed in in what's going on, this incredible community of people. It's very emotional, I will just say now. And it's her um, attempting to break several world records, uh, freediving world records. But please watch it. It is definitely worth a watch. It will open your eyes to another world of a different type of sport. And it's very, very emotional and compelling and lovely. Please watch yeah, it. Yeah, it does get very emotional, doesn't it, I believe. It, it does. It does. No but spoilers. It's great. No spoilers. No but spoilers. It is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. That is. I, I have to. I've. I've watched some of it. Yeah. It's very good. It looks incredible as well. Um. But you know, strictly stumbled. We have. There's all kinds of rules about. You know, what's TV? Is it a documentary? A film documentary? Yeah. On well, Netflix, I, mean, I but, wonder you know, why you're being okay, so. But Steph, I don't. It's a running joke. Basically. Dad's on like, holiday. Dad's on holiday. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. James would not approve of a one-off feature-length film being considered TV, even though it's on TV. What? It's on Netflix. It's, it's been, on Netflix. Blah, blah, blah. Who? No one. We don't care, Steph. We don't care. It's fine. When you yeah. switch on your TV. You're like, oh, should I watch yeah. something on Netflix? Should I watch something Prime? Should I watch something on Terrestrial? It's all on. It's it's it, it should be about what what it's on. It's on the TV, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if a film is on Netflix, then you wouldn't call it. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's Nitpicking. a good point. Mm, that's a good point. Anyway, mm. that is a very good thing on Netflix. It's a thing, and people could watch it. And I have been watching. Uh, we reviewed it last week. Wolf on uh, oh, BBC. Oh yeah, you One. really liked yeah. it, didn't you? Yeah. Talking of cuckoo bong and um, banana crackers, mm. it's nutty. I think it's, it's safe to say there has been no more cuckoo bong or banana crackers TV drama this year, possibly even this like half decade than oh, wow. Wolf. Oh yeah, my uh, it's it's divided opinion. My friend Catherine Flett, who's a legendary TV critic, she used to write in the Observer. She's now just got a new role, I believe, on, on the Mail. And she described it, I think the headline was, is this the worst thing ever shown on BBC? Oh, no. <laughs> she was I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, she was not a fan. Um, it is absolutely preposterous, over the top, barely makes sense, uh, has some incredibly wild um, dialogue, has some terrible dialogue, has some good dialogue, has some kind of dodgy acting, has some good acting. Uh, it Why is do you like it so much? Like because you just said, you just said there was dodgy acting, dodgy dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Yet you like you love it because it's because it's wildly entertaining. Entertaining. That's what I was going to say. Is entertaining though, isn't it? Because you don't know what's yeah, going to happen next because they're so crazy. Yeah. So you're like, oh my god, what is they going to do next? Okay, exactly. they're going to do. Okay, fine. Exactly. And I'm a fan of over the top. This is this is I love this stuff over the top crime thrillers that go fully demented is one of my favorite things and this <laughs> this the, the original novel by mo hader so mo hader who, who's sadly no longer with us um is, was famous for i think i said this when we reviewed it on the show so i won't bang on about that but she's famous for um really grotesque violence and sexual perversion <laughs> incorporated into her uh, books into her novels so she pushed the boundaries uh, in crime fiction and the, and, I, and kudos to the producers, who are the producers of Sherlock and other shows, um, for going ahead with the keeping sticking to the tone, really, which is mad. So her books have a mad tone. The show has a mad tone. The cast are all have all decided to go way over the top. And um, we'd watched. I think we'd watched. I'd watched two or three when we reviewed. I've now watched all six episodes. They're all on iPlayer or going out going out live Mondays and Tuesdays if you want to watch them the old fashioned way. And it gets madder and madder as it goes on. And the twists and turns. Some of them you see coming a mile off. Uh, even there, but the way they do them is hilarious. There's great use of music, like loads of eighties music, like Dexter's Midnight Runners, etc. Anyway, Blondie. Anyway, it, I had a whale of a time, but it is absolutely fucking ridiculous. How many? Yeah, sort of. Six. 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 Mm, a lot. Six gloriously it's a over lot the for top. A, yeah, for a crazy show. Yeah. Okay. No, does no, it, it's does it, standard. Does it conclude sufficiently? Because um, obviously I'm deeply invested yes. in the main guy. Okay, right, good. Yeah, it concludes properly. That's the other thing, yeah. Um, uh, there, well, there's there's kind of different threads. There's a thread that will will carry on. Um, Jack Caffrey, the, his, his, his brother his brother was abducted by the local paedophile um, back, in, back in years previously when they, he was eight. And that storyline, yeah, I'm not going to say what happens with that storyline. Okay. But the actual main, what the fuck's going on with the family who's being trapped mm. in their own massive home in the countryside and tormented by two crazy people crazy guys pretending to be police that is that resolved sorts itself out. yeah and the donkey pitch murders <laughs> and i was laughing <laughs> yeah. because still now no one knows what what the fucking donkey pitch is but that's- it's literally it must be just literally where donkeys race right donkey is racing it? i don't know i'll make a pitch that they race on I let's mean, just say it's if- that 
Yeah, let's we'll say it's that donkey pitch. Um, anyway, great stuff. Quelly Roach is the main guy, brilliant. And the other, the, one of the many things that I, I like about it is that characters do stuff that is completely wildly inappropriate. And so he, what he does with his fellow cop, I won't, I'm not going to go into. I'll try not to spoil anything. People get annoyed when I spoil things. But there's just people just do stuff. Suddenly, people start having sex, basically, like you know, from out. Of nothing. Out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh, what's like, people will do there? that? People, yeah. they do. You leave people fair, to their own devices. Happen. That's what that. Yeah, yeah they will at do any that. time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Keep an eye out though for Sean Reese Williams plays um, the uh, detective, and she played Detective Katie John in Hidden. You know that Welsh um, comedy oh, yeah. drama, not comedy. Oh, wasn't yeah. thriller, comedy, yeah. thriller. No, no, no. It wasn't comedy at all. That was a no. It wasn't chance, funny. Sorry. That wasn't um, funny. Yeah. So, and he's playing a cop. He's playing a cop. In in another show at the moment as well, Annika. So it's like all there's like a, a pool of people who pl- have just played detective inspectors. Basically, um, she reminds me Sean Reese Williams and the character of of Terry White. I can't stop thinking there's something like her face is a bit Terry White esque, formerly of this parish. Do you know what? And, also, um, Terry White would be an amazing cop. Like she would be really good at being yeah. a police officer. I feel like she would like and like a, a proper detective. Though she's like she would so she would do. Everything she could and stop at nothing to solve the yeah. crime. I'm going to yeah, text completely. her. Just talking of Terry, I've got to say, um, the other thing I was watching just very briefly was, and just like that, and I have, if you've got the time and you subscribe to Terry's Substack, I would highly recommend reading her what can be described as passionate rant about Carrie being with Aiden and Carrie saying that big was a big mistake. It is honestly, it's so good. And I couldn't stop laughing during like, there's so many funny moments where she's just like losing it over it. And she's everything she says is completely justified. But yeah, if you're a fan of Terry and you like, and just like that, check it out. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but she's not actually in Wolf, but she is, there is an, the actress looks, it looks a bit like, and behaves a bit like her as well. <laughs> okay. in Wolf. Just to confirm, Terry, Terry yeah. White is not well, in Wolf. <laughs> well, you say that, but Another she's, got, string turbo. Got, she's got a lot of strings <laughs> to her bow. She's got a lot of irons in the fire, you know, things going on. She could be acting, could be the next thing. Who knows? She's um, very talented. Uh, She's very talented. And look out, uh, regular listeners, if you you are going to watch Wolf for, I think it's in episode five or six. I think it might be six, the last episode, where there's a Doctor Who bit. And it it absolutely delighted me because, of course, Sasha Dewan played the master in the most recent version of Doctor Who. Uh, anyway, that's Wolf. That's my recommendation. Oh, it's my what I've been watching and very much enjoying. Um, yeah, I think it's time for our interview. And this is quite an unusual one this week because um, I interviewed Krish Majumdar. He is the producer of shows like I Am, the I Am series, which is an incredible series of dramas on Channel 4. Yeah, brilliant. Um, but he was also the outgoing chair of BAFTA. He is the outgoing chair of BAFTA. He's left BAFTA, but he was the chair of BAFTA for quite a few years. And we thought it would be fascinating in these times, particularly in these times of actor strikes, etc. Um, lots going on with awards, this, that, and the other. And to talk about the incredible I Am series anyway, to speak to Krish. And I did, and this is what he had to say. Hello, Krish Majumdar. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How's it going? Good. Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm a, a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, and obviously, I know you. Uh, yes. O- only shame is that we, do- we don't have James Dyer. We don't have... Um, I know. The, the, the bellendry of of, of James. <laughs> That's the real reason you wanted to, is that you wanted to do it because you wanted to have close contact with James. Yeah, my uh, my um, 
great co-host of the podcast. But you are, as you said, you are a big supporter of the podcast, which is great. We've known each other. We should, I, I should say, we've known each other for quite a few years. I went on set of one of your productions with Carl Pilkington years ago. Uh, I remember. Um, uh, because you are, it's unusual for us actually, because normally we have you know on-screen talent on the podcast or showrunners sometimes. But to have someone who's you're just the outgoing head of BAFTA, you just left BAFTA, chair of BAFTA, and you're an esteemed TV producer as well. So we thought we'd have a chat with you to kind of talk about your very interesting time at BAFTA and your TV stuff as well, your your award-winning TV shows as well, including I Am Ruth most recently. With Kate Winslet. So there's a lot to discuss, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, to start with BAFTA, um, how was that? You were chair of BAFTA in a very, I would say, described as turbulent, perhaps, period, with lots of changes going on. You brought in many changes. There was controversy about, you know, too many, uh, uh, you know, not enough diversity among uh, the BAFTA nominees, particularly in one one year, which you had to deal with. How was that for you, dealing with that whole period? I mean, it, uh, I've just come out of it, so it, it was <laughs> yeah. quite, um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, an incredible period. I mean, the world changed. Obviously, we had two main big things. We had Black Lives Matter, so George Floyd was killed by a Minnesota policeman, and that sent shockwaves around the world. And all organisations and arts institutions and workplaces had to look at themselves and say, how are we dealing with diversity and representation? Um, not just in the arts, but in, in all walks of life. So my my tenure as, as chair of leading the organisation happened then. And I think all all of us were asked questions about what what are we doing? We had the pandemic as well, the global pandemic. So so big things were going on in the world that we had to respond to. Uh, and I thought it was a it was an opportunity. So I led something called the 2020 BAFTA Review. So it, the year before in the film awards, there were no nominees, uh, people of colour being nominated. And there was a huge backlash against that. So BAFTA said, well, okay, we'll do a review. So we'll look at things. And at the same time I was leading that, um, the pandemic happened and Black Lives Matter happened at the same time. So suddenly there were lots of people who weren't on set working and we did all these sessions. I think we had over 50 Zoom sessions where people came in and talked about how they felt and about you know, diversity and representation. And we listened and we heard from so many groups of people. And I led the majority of those 50 discussions. And some of them were really difficult. We had actors of colour or creatives, disabled creatives who would come in and, and talk honestly about their experiences, not just with BAFTA, but with the industry. Uh, and that gave us a real, you know, moment to think, how are we going to respond to this? And then we did a really thoughtful and thorough review. So we spoke to over 500 people, which we couldn't do if there wasn't a pandemic. People had the time to come on Zooms and give a couple of hours to say what they thought and felt and give their experiences. Uh, and then with that knowledge, we debated all of that inside and we came up with 120 changes to BAFTA membership, to the awards processes, to everything and it was it, it was bigger than the awards it was about the whole culture 
of the organization uh, and therefore the industry as well and how we try and and the key thing was trying to level the playing field because i mean i'm a person of color myself i don't want to get a bafta nomination or or a bafta just for being a person of color i just want my work to be seen um and 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 judged fairly so it's all about leveling the playing field uh, and i think we did that over the last few years you've seen the nominees have have gone up there've been a, a bunch of interventions earlier on in the kind of voting processes but at the end of the day it's about the quality of the work uh, and that is always the kind of key thing with with bafta yeah because i was going to say just to you know to, to play devil's advocate in the most basic way um there are those that would say that to, you know despite the year when there were no nominees of color you know they would say that's just you know one of those things and that awards should just be about excellence and shouldn't reflect you know shouldn't try to intervene even people use the I, I hate to say the word i'm going to say the word woke people would say it's woke to kind of try and intervene you know and it should just let let people vote for who they want to vote for so what would you say to that well what we found doing all this research was it isn't people saying, oh, just let more people of colour in. That will change the voting. And it, of course, that doesn't change the voting at all because it is about what is made and presented and entered. So, for instance, for instance, this year at the Film Awards, people, there was some controversy, although not a huge amount, that there were no winners of colour. But if mm. you looked at the nominees, I think there were over 40% of the nominees in the film awards in the acting categories were people of colour, which is the best it's ever been. But if you look at the big films this year, it was All Quiet on the Western Front, Banshees of Inishir and Elvis. You know, they don't have many people of colour in them. So it's kind of, it, it, it's quite odd to have this big stick to beat BAFTA with when BAFTA's at the end of the process. But the, the key thing I would say is, it's not just about what is made, it's what is marketed and put in front of voters. Yeah, because in the, it's interesting, important to say, isn't it, that the film awards, for example, are in the end, after the nominees are decided upon, voters, there's thousands of people voting for the winners, aren't there? And you can't, yeah. it's not like you can't sit there and go, <laughs> you know, you, I want you to vote this way or that way. They, they, no. they, they vote for who they want to vote for. Absolutely. Uh, and there's a big difference between film and TV, because with TV, there are over a thousand programs. With film, at the end, obviously, there are categories like documentaries, which are different, but there's a kind of consensus of maybe 30 films. So you can watch, and even you know fewer for the for, for when you get the nominations, because some films has four or five nominations across acting, cinematography, directing. So you don't have to watch as many to vote in the final round. Um, but, yeah. you know, it is about excellence at the end of the day uh, and i think the bafta still have a you know gold standard and obviously i'm not speaking on behalf of bafta anymore which yes. is odd because i was involved for over 18 years on various committees and uh you know and that's all in your spare time as a volunteer you know you work you have your day job a, a career but um yeah i think they're still the gold standard of awards in oh, this yeah, country for sure. Yeah. When you were chair, you know, you had to stand up in front of thousands of people. I think I saw you at the this year's BAFTAs, the TV BAFTAs Festival Hall, and you stood up and made your speech. And didn't the um the, the, the auto cue fail to work and you had to Yeah. <laughs> so how was that for you? How was that I mean, I wa I walked out and uh uh the auto cue wasn't working and I was like, 
what am I going to do? There's two and a half thousand people here, the most yeah. important people in the TV industry. And I looked down at my cards because it has a you have a backup. But the text was too small because I was wearing my glasses oh, and I could read the auto cue and I couldn't read the so I was like and I kind of knew it reasonably well, but I just thought I'm gonna have to go for it. I should have just stopped and said, let's fix the auto cue, but you don't think you just no. you just go. Um but I've got I've got used to doing, you know, over over, over the years I've got used to doing public speaking. I, I don't mind doing it. But I did come off shaking because the auto cue thing was a big oh, thing. And my enough. wife was like no, it was great. Calm down. And I was like still shaking and pretty mm-hmm. like bewildered and angry and what's going on. And then after about 20 minutes, we won a BAFTA for I'm Ruth. And so everything kind of melted away. And it's it's that kind of weird, you have to go backstage and you have to do loads of press and photographs and you're just elated, but you don't know what's going on. You're slightly bewildered. Um, so there's these great photos of all of us just looking kind of dazed. Yes. Um, yes. We'll get yeah. on to, I want to get on to um, the I Am series and your and your work as a producer and your company. But just before we finish on the BAFTA stuff, what can you pick out? What was the highest um, moment for you, the greatest moment for you? Was there one highlight you can pick out in your time as chair? Perhaps a low moment, a moment where you, which was difficult for you to, to navigate. What would you say? Well, I think a highlight actually was doing the review and and seeing those like 120 changes more than that it's like a cultural shift and and for BAFTA to be proactive and say to the industry as well that that we need to change but do it fairly and equitably and obviously you get you get criticism about being woke or whatever but this is a long overdue societal shift like we had to do it um, you look at the Golden Globes. They got right. They got they got cancelled for a while. Literally, they didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. grasp this issue. Um, but you know, if if <laughs> I, th- I always laugh when people say, "Oh, is it woke?" and it's like you look at you know Steve McQueen, Michaela Cole, Riz Ahmed. You look at all these people, these world class British talent um, who happen to be people of colour. Um, you know, Nicole Leckie won a BAFTA for Mood this year. I mm. mean, it's it's all deserved. It's all it's all fully merited. Um, but yeah, you're always going to get criticism. But I'm I'm really proud of that. Low moments. I think it's just when you get you know criticism in the press or or social media, and it's you know it's ill found, not founded. It's it's you know ill thought of. Um, there was a point where I was. Uh, <laughs> That the, the Times and the Mail Online wrote a highly defamatory racist article about me, and we, we, we luckily we we sued, and it took a long time, but we we got apology damages. But it's like, you know, it, it's amazing when you see that if you're in a public office to get criticism, and a lot of it is unfounded. It's just that it that was just like a pure right-wing attack and and i was really proud of bafta for coming out and 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 calling that racist as well for what it was uh, and we got uh apology and damages and mm. costs um but but yeah yeah i mean so yeah. yeah because basically we should say that i've always I thought i always think this when i when i when i see you that to be to be the head of an organization bafta is anything that the bafta does or says is news isn't it i mean it's such a high profile organization it is like it, literally every single thing it does is is newsworthy. 
pretty much any decision you make. That must be an intense pressure to deal with. It it, it is, and I, I I do worry and wonder about, for instance, the BBC or or anything at the moment. You are a target, and I worry about the people who are running those institutions, and uh, because you just get you, you you can get attacked and vilified in the press. Who some of the press have an agenda. And I worry about the kind of mental health and the effects it has on the people who are trying to do their jobs. Um, and with BAFTA as well, it was an unpaid voluntary role. Uh, yeah, it's mad. You know, yeah. you're just doing your... But no, I'm really proud of what... And it isn't... It absolutely wasn't me. I was lucky to be chair at a time. There was a board, there were various committees, so many volunteers, the brilliant BAFTA staff, who all believed in something... And 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 made those changes together, and we couldn't have done it without you know hundreds of of, of people saying, "Yeah, that the time has come to make a change." And I think it has a it does have an impact on the industry. You won BAFTA for BAFTAs for um, I Am Ruth, the most recent, the I Am Suits. How how did that? What was your role? The I Am Suits is a unique thing for me. Like Dominic Savage, obviously creates it, directs it, makes it with these astonishing female uh, stars that have been involved. How, what's your role in, in, in getting that series together? Well, we, me and you Productions is a production company and I'm the producer on it. So I have to say Dominic is a genius and it is his unique methods of working with actors. And, and the way he does it is to find an actor uh, and they meet and talk and try and come up with a character and a story, a subject matter, a territory that they're both into. It's not just the actor. It's got to be Dominic feels it. And then Dominic will will write up an idea and the actor works with them on that. So they create a story together, but then Dominic will write a script, but without dialogue. So it's like 50 pages. Of, it's like a normal script, scene by scene, you know, interior kitchen, these people are here and this happens, but there's no dialogue. There are hints at dialogue and, and the the scripts are pretty clear because there's a misconception going, oh, there's no script. There is a script. There has to be because we have mm. a whole production team, you know, planning, finding locations. Uh, and so there is. Uh, my my process is, is to create that space and put the team with Dominic together for him to, to do that work. It is a kind of almost protecting, creating that, sacred space because what they do together is a, like a high wire act um because we shoot with a very small crew with not much lighting or no lighting it's handheld the dialogue is all improvised the takes are like could be 15 20 20 minutes long so it's all you know and so and sometimes i think the actors almost forget their acting because the camera is rolling and rolling and it's almost like a it's almost like a documentary eye, but it is is drama. It's fiction. And do you think the I Am series will be ongoing? Because I know he's doing a, sh- a thing with Elliot Page, isn't he? Um, yeah, so we've yeah. just produced that. So we are in post-production. It's just been announced. It's a feature film called Close to You, which we shot in Canada together uh, just before Christmas uh, in a really tough shoot, you know. It's like minus 10 wow. outside. So if you're trying to improvise... It's really cold. The actors can't, can't do it. <laughs> Too cold and for him. Elliot, 
Yeah, uh, and and obviously it got dark at four o'clock, and we don't usually use lights. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the 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 act, actress opposite um, Elliot, uh, um, Hilary Buck, is uh, a deaf actress, so she was lip reading. So we couldn't do that in the dark either. So, but we've we're just in post production at the moment, but it, and we will. Uh, we're just working out where we're going to world premiere it, but. Uh, it will be announced very shortly. Um, but it is an extraordinary film. And it's lovely to see, because it's set in Canada, everyone's speaking with a North American accent and it's a different landscape. It does feel very, very different to the I Am series and it is cinematic. And Elliot Page is extraordinary. I mean, I would be shocked if this performance is not picked up and lauded and recognised because he brings something so truthful and visceral. It's about it's a film uh, about a trans man, and this is Elliot's first film film as a trans man. Obviously, Elliot is in Umbrella Academy, and his character's transitioned. Yeah, but that's a television show. This is Elliot's first movie, and Elliot is an Oscar-nominated actor. Uh, obviously, that was for Juno, um, but this is his first film. Um, since transitioning and it is playing a trans man and the story is about a trans man who lives in Toronto is going home to a little town called Coburg for the first time in a few years to his father's birthday and the whole family will be there and it'll be a big big deal and on the way back on the train he meets by chance a childhood friend uh, called Catherine who Hilary Back plays and I think they realise um, they were very close when they were younger, best friends. But Elliot's character Sam realises that he was in love with her, and they meet a few times while he that weekend he's in town. She's married with kids now, but it so it's a love story, and it's also about the difficulties of going home, and that those scenes with the family are extraordinary and moving funny painful real um so it's it's a really special film and obviously it's a love story and it's a beautiful intimate film and it's not a trans film i'd say but obviously because of of the of the character um it i think it'll get a huge amount of 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 notice and spotlight it's really important and it it is for the mainstream it's for it's for you know it's for everyone uh, and Elliot is extraordinary. What a gifted actor! Mm. I mean, I can't wait to see it. Is it? Just yeah. it was it whose idea? Was it Dominic's idea to do to do it with and brought Elliot in? How did that? Yeah. yeah. So we were working. Dominic and I were working in America, uh, trying to do thinking of new work. Uh, and a casting director called Francine Maisler put uh, Elliot in touch with um, Dominic, and um, a bit like the process of I am. They came up with a story that is fictional, but has resonance and meaning for Elliot. And Elliot loved that it wasn't a trans movie, but it was a love story, but also dealt with the complexities and difficulties of just being. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel, again, really privileged to be doing work that I feel is, is obviously it's entertaining and, and it will connect with an audience, but also it's meaningful um so it's it's yeah no it's really exciting and also it's my first movie as a producer yeah, i was gonna say yeah and yeah. uh I'm, yeah i'm just excited about that whole thing because um 
obviously the industry is uh, is going through some pretty tough times and changes, and you know with the strikes and everything. So it, it uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. The strikes. Oh my god, let's not even get into that. Yeah, no, that's the no. whole. That's the whole ball game. Um, there, do you think there'll be more IMs though? Is that, is that still open? Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. Uh, Channel Four have have committed to a couple more. So oh, cool. we're we are you know casting, and it's a long process because Dominic has to meet people. Not only have they to get on, they then have to kind of come up with a story together. Obviously, Channel Four needs to uh, approve that actor story and everything else so it's not a simple process and it is very intensive for dominic to do that it's not simply oh he just goes off and writes a script and then finds then casts an actor what's interesting about this process is that the actor is central from the very beginning the genesis of of the idea and i think that creates something you know different absolutely yeah completely well, Chris, it's been a joy to chat to you about all of this stuff. Um, can't wait to see the Elliot Page film and to yeah. see what you come up with next. Well, no, thank you. Thank you. And please send my best to um, James. I think he should get a BAFTA for Bellendry. Ah, he should. Yeah. He should. That was my interview with Chris Majumdar, late of BAFTA, uh, currently of lots of uh, exciting TV, that stuff. And in fact, when we get to news in a... After the listener question, there's news about one of his forthcoming shows. But I think next is we do the listener question. Have I shared with you the listener question or not? I can't remember. Yeah, you did. I just love how shambolic our structure is when James is not here. No, but neither of us can remember. Let me read out the listener question. It's from Maverick Mazza Bazza, I think, on the the Twitter. Great name. And um, they say... There's been a few podcasts turned into TV shows with mixed results, but I wondered if you think it's a good idea and if there are any podcasts you listen to that would make great TV shows. I've been listening to a few lately that would be interesting TV shows like Scamander and A Very British Cult. Scamander, can I just say, uh, well done for listening to Scamander. Um, if you haven't listened to Scamander, it's a fantastic podcast about, it's it's a true life crime. It's a woman who faked having cancer and um, she basically uh, scammed like over a hundred thousand um, pounds, dollars, sorry, um, from friends and family. Uh, she shaved, she shaved off all her hair and, you know, it's just. Was she Australian? Is this the Australian one who did it? No, no, no. She's not. No, that's the, not the Vanishing Act woman. Um, no, this is this is an American woman. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we've done a feature on that in uh, Crime Monthly. So that's yeah, well done. That's a, that is a fantastic podcast. There are lots of amazing pod, crime podcasts that would be you know great, mm. great TV shows. That is one. I have actually no doubt that that probably will get made into into a show. I can't see how it would. Yeah, Why would someone not pick that I up? Um, yeah. Sorry, I've totally taken taken over that because I just jumped on the Scamander thing. Can I say what my one is? Yeah, no, quite rightly. Yeah, because I'm expecting you to come up with some fantastic examples of crime podcasts that could be turned into <gasps> TV series. Well, what I my favourite crime podcast, my favourite crime podcast is 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 really the thinking the thinking woman's crime podcast, which is a podcast called Criminal, um, hosted by a lady called Phoebe Judge. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. Okay, this is one of the original crime podcasts. It's classy. It's fantastic. She covers big crimes, but she also covers incredibly interesting aspects of crime. So, for example, she just did an episode um, about the origins of the ambulance service, which actually 
came about because there was a group of um, uh, African American men in Pittsburgh who actually they couldn't get they couldn't get uh, an ambulance service and it was volunteer firefighters at that time um, to come and take take people from the area they lived in to hospital. Um, I won't give it all away because it's a fantastic thing to thing to listen to and understand. I had no idea that up until even 19, as recently as 1965, if you wanted um, an ambulance service, it would be a volunteer firefighter. But they, the, this small group of men started this whole movement. It's fantastic. So she does things, she does episodes which are just kind of historical links to crime and and, and things like that. But it's, it's amazing. Now, if, she, if that was turned into a kind of uh, you know, documentary series, I think it would just fly. It's amazing. The other Steph, one she did recently. That was really interesting about, um, you know, about the firefighters um, mm. also doubling up as the ambulance work. But what was the crime there? Is it that they had to do that? <laughs> right. So, yeah, no. So the crime, the crime is, is that, um, see, that's the brilliant thing about this. You don't kind of, there's always a criminal aspect. So somewhere in the oh, middle, I don't okay. want to give it away. So somewhere no, in the middle. Spoil it. Sorry, so, I thought I'd missed it. Somebody, yeah. somebody dies. Somebody dies, mm-hmm. and they, somebody dies, and and there's a reason why this kind of the the ambulance service took off because someone dies sort of in the middle. But even there's there's another episode she's done, um, which is about the the you know the CPR woman, the Rasasa Annie. Do you know that doll? You know when okay, mm, yeah. as a trained Listen, I'm first John aider, ambulance trained. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So um, it's a fascinating episode about the origins of the, of of Rasasi Annie. Which actually the the face of Rasasi Annie is based on a woman who was um, dragged out of uh, the River Seine, um, and and it talks about is it really her and um, how that happened and was was she you know was she pushed and it, it's it's just brilliant. Criminal is a brilliant podcast. You will feel you will feel a bit clever after you've listened to it. So I, I suggest that, and I think if she, if her, her, she's got the most soothing voice ever. If if her series was made into a documentary series every episode, I think that'd be fantastic. Okay, what would you suggest? Oh God. Okay, so this one is a hard question for me because the truth of it is, the main pod, as you know, because I've banged on about it a lot. The only real podcast I listen to avidly every week is the Wolf and Owl podcast, and I yeah. feel. To do a TV show of that. I mean, they could, but they do their own stand-up and they do their own comedy, so. I mean, that's um, basically that's basically uh, Tom Davis and Roman Shranganathan just chatting for an hour, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, mm. Although I would happily watch that, like, yeah. televised. Um, so, yeah, other than that, the only other one that I dip into every now and again is, like, The Diary of the CEO. And again, he films it probably for his um, YouTube channel with Stephen Bartlett, which is more factual. Um, so I don't have a really good... I don't listen to a lot of, um, say, true crime pods or... Uh, what have you got against true crime? Yeah. I don't mind... Tr- no, Steph, you know, I don't mind true crime. You know, I'm very... Suge- I get very... Um, I, t- I get very overly moved by these true crimes and they stay with me. I don't like scary stuff. I don't like horrific crimes or anything like that. But, yeah. They happen, Kay. They happen. You I know, have to, I know. You I just, just, just want to largely ignore them if possible, but yeah. Okay. There is, a, there is people, you know, people obviously do love them. Boydo, what's your answer? So basically your answer was you, d- you don't listen to your podcasts. That's, that's just, yeah, I okay, listen, fine. No, my oh, answer no. was I listen to The Wolf and Owl, and yeah. if you want to make, make a TV show of it, I will watch. <laughs> you, you will support that endeavour. I will definitely support that. More Tom and Rom on TV is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that, that's very big of you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for, I was thinking about it, I was racking my brain, um, 
because I do listen to quite a few true crimey things as well. Um, but what I've gone for is a thing called a very fatal murder that actually came out a few years ago. And it's a spoof of all the true crime uh, <laughs> podcasts. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's an American thing. I think it was made for um, uh, The Onion, like the people behind The Onion, yeah, you know, the satirical yeah. kind of website. And it, it, it uses all the tropes of true crime podcast have you ever have you ever listened to it stuff yeah it's hilarious it's really really funny it's hilarious isn't it it's yeah. so funny so i would love to see that turned into like an airplane style spoof of the true crime podcast genre well um, it feels like only murders in the building is sort of halfway there yeah but it's different because so only murders in the building is um you could just about you know that tells a story about podcasts and there's stuff about true crime podcasting that it's observing but this is an out and out spoof of the right, whole okay. thing like Airplane being a spoof of disaster movies, this is a spoof of podcasts. So it's preposterous. It's fictional. <laughs> Everything's fictional in it. It's preposterous from start to finish. You made me want to listen to it. Yeah, the reporter is like this kind of like patronizing twat who's really annoying. Um, it, so yeah, you, as soon as you start listening to it, you're like, this is it's ridiculous. It's, it, it's very funny and ridiculous and would make, I think, in fact, I'm, again, I'm slightly surprised that no one hasn't turned into a TV series or whatever because I think it'd be really, really funny. So that's a very fatal murder on um, all podcasts where you get your podcasts or what the phrase is. What's the phrase? Wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you know what though? You sh we should just mention, have you listened to Will Ferrell's? Because he did a spoof true crime podcast as well. Did you, did you ever listen to that? It was brilliant. I didn't listen to that one. No. Was it no, good? I, yeah, it's really, really funny. Really funny. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So yeah, other other spoof true crime podcasts are out there, but that my favourite is a very fatal murder. Uh, let's move on to news. I'm just going to start with because it is related to our um, guest uh, Chris um, from his TV company, uh, Me and You Productions. They announced this week because um, he told me about this when I interviewed him for that for that uh, podcast interview that you've heard earlier. But he's got a show called Alice and Jack for Channel Four, described as an offbeat romance starring Andrea Riseborough and Donald Gleeson, who's brilliant. Um, and it, he described it to me in full, and it sounds really good fun. Um, basically, it's written by a guy who wrote Mad Men, Victor Levin. I mean, that's pretty good going there. Um, of course, me and Britney Productions, I Am Ruth, etc. cetera. Um, and um, Ashley B is in it. Amy oh, Lou Ashton Wood B. is in it. Yeah, Amy Lou Wood is in it from Sex Education. Yeah, great. She's brilliant, obviously. And it's built as a love story for the ages. When Alice, Riseborough, and Jack Gleason first meet, they have a connection so powerful it seems nothing can break it. But can they find happiness together or will their own emotional complexities get in the way? The show is one of the most high-profile drama launches for Channel 4 in years. Um, Nick Lee, head of acquisitions in Stash at Channel 4, said the intimacy is both heart-wrenching and unmissable. Uh, in equal measure. So yeah, that's an exciting When's it out? bit of news. Uh, I, I think they're just making it, I believe, right. or just about to go into production, etc. Um, I don't know if it's affected by the strike or whatever, but um, hopefully not. So I think it's a British show, so yeah, it, won't, it shouldn't be affected by the strike. It'll be fine. There you go. So it won't be one for a while. Okay, any news? Okay, yes. Now I know Ooh. I'm not usually allowed to talk about this, so I'll keep it brief. Oh, this sounds exciting. But the Strictly Come Dancing lineup has been announced. Oh, here right? we go. Yeah. And the names are, you know, as always, when the lineup gets announced, people like either kick off because some people have got training experience, dancing experience, or they think, oh, no, this is a rubbish lineup. And then actually, it never really matters. However, some names of note Christian Gurumurti, uh, Angela Rippon, Leighton Williams, who was in, wasn't he in Bad Education? 
Yes, still is about education. Ah, but the name that I really felt confident bringing to the table to Pilot TV is that Amanda Abington is going yes. to be on the show and I yeah. couldn't be more excited. She's, she's the like, one she's that I'm gonna, most I, excited about. I love her. Yeah. I, I think she'll yeah. be uh, really and- good, you know. I think she'll be a really fantastic dancer. I agree, yeah, and she's a friend of the show. Not only, not only um, uh, is she a friend of the show. She was on. She did one of our specials where she co-hosted the show uh, a oh, while wow. ago with me and James. Yeah, and she was on for the whole thing. Yeah, she was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, she's oh really my God. funny. You know what this means? I've, I'm more likely to convince James to watch an episode of Strictly now. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he's a big fan of Amanda's. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. And I know from back in the, the Sherlock days, you know, when she was in Sherlock, of course, um, mm. and uh, she's fantastic. Yeah, that, that is a really good booking for them yeah. and for her, frankly. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So that was first bit of news. Um, also, another bit of news that probably only I'll, I'll get excited about, but the trailer dropped for season five of Virgin River. Steph, this is a romantic drama on Netflix, which I've um, weirdly become, you know, a bit obsessed with. Um, so I am excited for the next instalment of Jack and Mel, and that is coming out on the 7th of September. And the trailer looks good. There is a fire that takes place in Virgin River, and it looks like it gets very dramatic. So um, that's something to look forward to in early September. Um, what else? Uh, uh, Did you see the true crime drama news, Steph, of the week? Oh, God, what is it? Tell me. No. I'll tell you. So The Long Shadow, which is a a true crime drama by Hijack and Lupin creator George Mm. Kay, has revealed its stellar cast and they've put out the first images of that. This is a huge ITV thing. Um, And it's all about the hunt for serial killer Peter Sutcliffe, a.k.a. the Yorkshire (gasps) Ripper. And the cast, I'll tell you, Toby Jones plays Dennis Hoban, who initially led the inquiry. With David Morrissey as George O'Field, who took on the investigation. Has it got Daniel Mays in it? Daniel Mays. Oh, in it. yeah, I saw. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Daniel May- Mays, yeah. anything he's in, yes, please. Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry well, on. Well, it's the same could be said of David Morrissey and Toby Jones, I would say. Yeah, Plus, I know, but. Lee my- Ingleby. Yeah, no. Dave Mays is a legend, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. Lee Ingleby is also in it. Catherine Kelly, mm. Sean Thomas, Jill Halfpenny. Strong uh, liner. Very Sean Dooley. Uh, Stephen Tompkinson, Lo- Ruth Maidley, loads of brilliant people. Rob James Collier, loads of fantastic people. Um, and um, I've seen bits of it, is all I'll say. I might have seen bits of it, and it looks fantastic. It's directed, we should say, um, by Lewis Arnold, who worked on Sherwood with uh, David Morrissey. He directed the first series of Sherwood. He worked, directed Time. He directed Des. Uh, with David Tennant, so he's got a brilliant he's got a brilliant kind of background in how to do crime and true crime drama. So that's a, a, a huge thing, and I think that's arriving in the autumn on ITV. Because there are so many incredible dramas that are born out of true crimes. There is actually, if you care, I'm not just plugging Crime Monthly again, but if you have access to Readly, we did a special. Um, um, when the Sixth Commandment came out, and it's a kind of a whole, it's a, a, a big special on all the different uh, crime dramas and the true stories behind them. So you can see the actual crime photographs and the actual people, and you can get that on Readly. And Readly, I don't even know how much these things cost, but it's like fifty p, and you can read about a hundred titles. So it's it's worth it. So if you care about that kind of stuff, there is one of those on Readly. Can I just say, I don't have loads of crime news, but I do have a question because I heard a rumor about a show and I want to know, 
if boy, do you think this is a possible or true? It is about, and just like that. I heard a rumor that Sarah Jessica Parker was trying to get no less than Phoebe Buffay from Friends, Lisa Kudrow, to join the th- as yet unconfirmed third season. Do you believe this? Do you know oh. that it's true? Well, tell me. What do you okay. think? I have, n- I have absolutely no intel in this. However, okay. loving Lisa Kudrow as I do, I would urge her <laughs> not to do it. Because, oh, yeah. oh, wow. No, no, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Why? Because you taken against the series so much. Because I just think it's like, I don't think it will do her any good. I don't think there's much, I don't think she has much to gain from an attachment to this franchise now, which I think is, it's been very like mixed bag. It's, I, I just, I haven't enjoyed this season particularly. And I just think it's, yeah, it's not good. No wow, bueno. So I'd say, mm hmm. And I love don't get I love Sex and the City, and I've kept on watching as you know because I've told you every week through loyalty. But more and more decisions they keep on making that are completely at odds with the core characters who we knew and love from back in the day. You know they keep on doing things like they're playing a lot. Of, they're doing dirty to a lot of the characters. Steve, all of them. I mean, all of them in some regard. Um, so yeah, I would just say absolutely do not do it. And again, I would refer you to Terry's article on Substack. I've just done a Google, Steph, on this story. Uh, yes. And there seems to be no um, report on it whatsoever, apart from your – I don't know where you heard it from. It was in the Australian Max. So I saw it in the Australian ah. Max. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against it. I think Lisa Kudrow, I think, um, uh, Lisa Kudrow is brilliant in everything, and um, it would be fun. I think it would be – I'm not, I'm not as uh, – I haven't watched – I'm a bit behind on this series of Just Like That, so I haven't seen the full horror of the uh, episodes that particularly annoyed Terry and Red Kay and others. So I will, I will carry on watching. But I'm, I'm fine with it. I think I'm fine with it. Like, they'll care. <laughs> they have my blessing. <laughs> they will, they will um, care. That's why I asked, because someone's yeah. on the phone to me asking. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think it's possible. And Jennifer, um, Lisa Kudu does, of course, have HBO. You know, she's the comeback was on HBO. This is an HBO mm. show. So there's that connection. I would rather she Funnily focused en- on that. I would rather she brought back the comeback. <laughs> well, we'd all rather she brought back the comeback. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. They are, funny enough, I noticed they are showing the comeback at the moment on Sky Atlantic <gasps> late at night. Yeah, I watched an episode the other day. And I reminded oh, it's just Oh, my God, brilliant. it's so good, Always Steph, brilliant. If you haven't seen the comeback, please make it your priority. It is I actually really haven't. Good. I actually haven't seen the comeback, so I will have that as my next thing. I will do that for you, Kay. Thank you. Um, one more bit of news for me. So HBO apparently has greenlit a half-hour comedy series called The Franchise, which is going behind the scenes of a fictional struggling superhero movie. Um, apparently, it shines a light on the secret chaos inside the world of superhero movie making to ask the question: How exactly does a cinematic sausage get made? Because every fuck up has an origin story. It has a really good cast. Himish Patel um, is going to be in it alongside Jessica Hines. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Richard E. Grant. Yeah, loads of great Lolly names. Lolly Adafopi. Mm-hmm. Lolly Adafopi, who's brilliant. Daniel Brühl. Yeah. It, it, this is an exciting project, I have to say. Did you say who's created it? Did you say? No, that's, a, that? that's ah. a very important detail I forgot to mention. Yeah, because that's exciting as well. Sam Mendes of <gasps> actual Skyfall James Ooh. Bond film fame. And Armando Iannucci. What are they coming together? Have they ever worked together before? Not that I know of. No. Um, it's a good question. I don't think so. I think they've just come together for this glorious um, concept. Yeah. 
Um, work on the pilot was completed before the actor strike, and production will not begin until the after the strike resolve. I mean, yeah, who knows when the fuck's that can? But it is an exciting project. Yeah, no, I don't think they have worked together. They just kind of decided to climb on board, clamber on board this particular project. Yeah, but it's very exciting. I want to mention, I know it's a bit of a downer, but I wanted to mention to, this has been a, a quiet week for famous people passing away. Um, uh, Robbie Robertson just announced the brilliant member of the band, the band, the band, and who um, was the music coordinator on Martin Scorsese's films. Most of Martin Scorsese's films in recent years, an absolute legend. But then actual TV related people, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, uh, died uh, earlier this week. He did loads of TV stuff, uh, fantastic actor. And the absolute genius is William Friedkin, director of this will be covered this will be covered in the empire podcast of course i'm sure they'll go on about it at length because he's a fucking legend one of my favorite film directors of all time the exorcist the french connection cruising etc sorcerer he also directed some tv as well he directed various tv episodes and tv films he did um 12 angry men a kind of tv movie remake of 12 angry men that was actually really good um so that's why i wanted to mention william freakin total effing legend who passed away earlier this week and now i think it's time for reviews isn't it unless i've forgotten something have i forgotten to do anything i'm pretty confident that comes next where should we start i know let's start with the apocalypse a head party a uh, strippogram um strange goings on it's hempocalypse it's coming to bbc2 i'm gonna start with you steph sealan what did you reckon okay well let me just say, anybody who used to listen to Basic Bingers will know that um, as a general rule for life, anything which is apocalypsy, I, I stay oh, yeah. well I away from. Oh, I my d- God. No, I, don't, I, I can't be doing with it. How could I, I forget? I actually forgot. <laughs> I forgot. When I saw that you had you'd put apocaly- something apocalypse on here, oh. Oh, I, I, my... I, my Head in my hands, and I just thought, no, no apocalypses. I can't deal with apocalypses. Anyway, I do like hens, and I do like hen parties. However, I was furious, of course. Yeah, I love hen. I love yeah, girl. Oh my god, I hate hen parties. I absolutely hate them. I love them. Absolutely love them. So anyway, I was I love just, yours though, for the record. Yes. You, uh, if, yes. <laughs> Kay, Kay was my uh, maid of honor and a fantastic job she did too when I got married. And yeah, my, yeah, but our, mine was very low key and, and fun, but this is, this is not low key. Okay. So I'll just give our delightful listeners an insight into what this particular apocalypse is about. Okay. So Zara is getting married. She has taken her bridal party from their Birmingham council estate and they're going to, as lots of people do, to a little cottage somewhere. This particular one's in Wales. Um, However, on their way there... um, they have a little incident with someone and, and a rental car, which is which is very hilarious exchange. Whilst they're having all their fun in their cottage, uh, a <laughs> a terrible a terrible virus uh, overtakes the whole of the UK, and it's crabs and it's infe- and it's killing all the men. Okay, so everyone wait, has wait, to stay wait, inside. Wait, wait. Call it yeah. by its proper name: crab measles. Sorry, Chris, I'm so sorry. Crab measles. <laughs> crab measles is killing off all the men. They, however, have a strippogram who is in the house, which that which potentially is going to be the last man 
alive. Okay, so this whole thing is is a is a romp in the Welsh countryside with this crazy hen party of people who are stuck there together in yes a hen apocalypse, as the title suggests. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. It's got so many plastic penises in. It's just, (laughs) it's, I mean, I have to say, I was like, is, it's not a traditional apocalypse. So I was kind of fine with it. And I have to give mention to the world's most incredible actress playing a mad mother, Elizabeth Bennington, who plays Bernadette, who is the mother of the bride. And for me, she is the absolute standout, incredible. I watched two episodes of it and I just, yeah, amazing. I loved it. We should say this is created and written by Caroline Moran, who worked worked on um, Hull Raisers, which which was brilliant, and Raised by Wolves. Um, and she is uh, a very talented writer. Uh, Kay, what did you make of it? On the other hand, I was the opposite <laughs> of Steph. So, for the record, I really like um, Caroline Moran's writing. Like, I really was a huge fan of Hull Raisers, but for this, for me, just wasn't funny enough i think it's like it it, it is very like it's very silly i mean i think it's the thing that would bring james out in hives it's like it goes for the easy laughs obviously you know hindu's going to be full of as steph says plastic penises and strippers and but it just was a very it, it just was very basic i think in its humor and then so it just didn't appeal to me and the whole concept that I mean, it's just, as Steph said, it is just nuts, right? It's a bonkers concept and it is fun and frothy, but for it just didn't, it didn't make me laugh. And yeah, that's all. I couldn't, I didn't watch the second episode. I just watched one, but I, I was hoping for more. In the second episode, can I just say that it's a shame you didn't watch the second episode because in the second episode, um, I'm not giving, Danny Dyer appears as a spirit animal and it, and it, it is so funny. That is particularly funny. I, I'm, I feel. I, please just watch the second episode. Just watch the second episode. Sorry, Boyd. What did you think? No, it's a good point about the Danny Dyer um, guest appearance because that's been quite widely trumpeted. So because he doesn't appear in episode one, so it's, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an exciting guest appearance in episode two. I'm somewhere in the middle. I um I didn't I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. I quite liked. I I really liked. I the didn't cast. hate it for the record. No, no, yeah. You just didn't think it was funny at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I found that funnier. What you just said. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So I think the cast, as you said, Elizabeth Barrington is the standout. She's always yeah. brilliant in everything. She's been in loads of brilliant stuff. Kelly and Kelly Cook. Cook. Uh, yeah, she was good as yeah. Shelley. She's really funny as Shelley. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Shaw. I think they're all good. L- Lauren O'Rourke's always good. Kate O'Flynn, I think I think they're all they're all um, great kind of comedic actors, actresses, actresses. What's your feeling about? Do we call them actors or actresses? I don't mind actresses, but let's we call them actors. Yeah, actors. Mm, okay, all right. But I'm not insulted if you say actress. I, I'm not going to okay. kick off. Just no, checking. Just I'm checking. not either, but I think other people like they like to be called actors. I think we might have come around all the full circle. I think there was a period where it was definitely oh. like at, let's call them everyone actors, right? This is my feeling anyway. This is okay. my sense. Um, I may be making this up. They're, oh, yeah, let's call them actors. Let's have equality. Then I think it went back to then, oh, actually, no, let's call them actresses because it's a bit patronizing to say that everyone's an actor. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, 
Uh, I think the awards ceremony, like the Oscars, it's still like... Uh, by the way, Oscars news. Yes, yeah, Sky's not going to run the Oscars anymore. That, <gasps> I was devastated about it. Oh, my gosh, bit of news why? Yeah, yeah. It's all over why? the place. They can't so, afford it. Yeah, I think they're making cutbacks, yeah, and um, they're just not willing to pay. I mean, however much they paid for the rights, ABC runs it in in the States. Um, it, obviously, it's going out in the small hours, in the wee small hours of the morning here. You know, it starts at 1 a.m., goes on to like 4 or 5 a.m. I, I used to go on as a pundit. I was going to say, so, yeah. yeah, it was paying for you to do the uh, commentary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot huge budget on my on my uh, punditry. That's just hair um, and makeup. Yeah, steady. Is that a bald joke? I can't work no, it out. No, it wasn't. Uh, that's okay. too easy. Well, That'll be fine. too easy a gag. Yeah, I'm saying I don't like easy gags. Yeah, no, of course. But yeah, I'm devastated that Sky's not going to and obviously not worth it anymore. I mean, they'd got rid of the guests the last couple of years, so that kind of like you could the hint there was there that, that you know they just ran ads during the ad breaks, etc. But someone's got to show it. I just in back in the day. Now that I've gone on to this subject, sorry, Hempocalypse fans, I've completely uh, interrupted the review of Hempocalypse. But back in the day, uh, it used to be BBC One, and you know, like you'd get Barry Norman hosting the oh, punditry, yeah. yeah, and you'd get quite good guests legend. chatting about it, yeah, legend. And then the late great Barry Norman, um, Jonathan Ross hosted it a few times. The 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 UK coverage for the BBC, and then I think the BBC and Sky alternated for a while, and then the BBC just dropped out completely. But it is a public service; it still matters. It's still hugely huge fun. More than anything, to see you know what goes on. So I hope someone. This is my plea. Please, God, someone buy up the rights to the Oscars. I don't care who it is, but it'd be great. Uh, anyway, back to Hempocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> very smooth. <laughs> very smooth. Very smooth. I can't remember how how Hempocalypse reminded me of the Oscars, but anyway, it did somehow. I thought that the cast was great. I thought the characters were fun. I thought there was the odd line that did make you laugh. There was a line, there was a bit where the guy who's the stripper gram, who ends up being chained to a radiator, quite quite amusingly. I thought the scenes between him, with him and the woman, were quite funny. And he has this line early on where he says, where they're reeling from the fact that, you know, the whole male population has been decimated in the apocalypse. He says, so many great men are dead. Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> Jordan Peterson, Russell Brand, all the great thinkers. And I thought, yeah, that is a good lie. That is a good lie because I hate those people, those <laughs> fucking idiots who think they're like, you know, geniuses. Jordan Peterson, you know, Russell Brand now. I mean, what the fuck is he doing? So I, I appreciated that <laughs> line personally, like touching a very important thing for me that I can't stand those like messianic men who uh, pontificate about the world at the moment. That's just me. So <laughs> I like that bit. There are, there are the, but what I thought was the, the, the flaw with it for me was that there were funny moments, but the funniest bits, almost that's almost an example of it in a way. Like it feels like the story and the characters are stopping for a joke had that. It's really difficult. I always think like comedy, the best comedies, how they manage to make gags and one-liners fit into the general story without detracting from the story and, and have the characters saying them without it seem, seeming fake that the characters mm. speaking in funny dialogue. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, a hard yeah, yeah. trick like to pull Like they're delivering off, a line. Yeah, so I was thinking about Hull Racers, which, as we were all saying, was brilliant. Caroline Moran wrote on. One of the brilliant things about that was, as an example, it never felt contrived. Like, it felt like the lines, the funny, the jokes were yeah. coming from very the characters. Naturalistic. Very naturalistic. dealing with the situations they were facing. Whereas this, it's a high concept in the setting during the apocalypse. And what's so funny is, listeners, if you've never listened to Steph, <laughs> basically just back in the day when we used to do a podcast together, her hatred... Of apocalyptic <laughs> yeah. based dystopia oh, is your like yeah, dy- no, it was yeah. dystopia. That's the word she used to bang on. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. apocalypse. It was like yeah, but they go together. Dystopia. Yeah, but yeah. generally 
generally apocalypses are dystopian, dystopian, yeah. aren't they? I, I know, mean, no, but it was yeah. the D word that was very tricky. Yeah, it to was her. the D word. It was the D word. So if it'd been called hen <laughs> dystopia, that would yeah. have been even worse. But it is funny that we forced you to watch a dystopian uh, apocalyptic show, but, but which, ironically, you, which you ironically like more I li- than we did. I, well, I, li- I, I really like. I really liked all the characters. I think. I found I found it I watched it late at night I found it quite easy to sort of detach from reality um mm, and yeah. I and I found loads of the lines really funny I just yeah maybe I'm just a, a yeah, more simple human I think do you know what it's Hellraiser I think set the bar so high for me in terms of her writing that I just yeah. was hoping you know that it'll be in a similar ilk but you do I mean the thing with this show is I think it's really important to know from the, that you have to lean into the silly and yes. then you know but if you if you're not prepared to, as a, probably I was just not in the right mood for it, then you it might not land. Good use of lean in. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's um, the other thing I would say about it is uh, 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 what I was trying to say with, with the jokes not quite kind of seeming natural within the within the kind of context of the characters and story, such unlike Hellraiser's, is that actually weirdly, even though it's got this really high concept that these you know there's the last possibly the last man on earth you, you'd think that a story about the end of the world right would be instant would be really compelling and that but i actually found the storyline not gripping enough mm-hmm. like uh, and even like hull races which is basically observations about a group of women in hull and you know quite a low concept in comparison had more narrative thrust for me than this show did so I, I know it's good use of narrative them. thrust. Thank you. Yeah, Thank thrust. You. That was a great because I think the apocalypse, the apocalypse element, the apocalypse element of it was I didn't care about that. I really care about Zara's wedding and her relationship. That's what I cared about. And the, what the line that I particularly uh, found so enjoyed is when um, they're talking and they're saying, "Look, listen." we're in an apocalypse, you know, you need, like, I think really you need to put your wedding into perspective. And she goes, don't you dare put my wedding into perspective. And it's just (laughs) for me, like, like that's how so many brides feel. Something like that is just like the one thing that's happening in their life. And it's just like nothing else matters. Everything could be crumbling around them. That's what, that's what Bridezilla Steph was like. I I absolutely (laughs) was not. But that's what, that's kind of what it was like. So I think I just, yeah, I, I, found it relatable in very in little ways i actually thought there was going to be more hindu stuff than there was in the final show Do you know what i mean i expected a lot of hindu kind of mania mm. and satire because i agree with 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 uh, k that hindus i mean the only thing worse than hindus in the world are statues of course which are the worst thing <laughs> the worst invention known to humanity and should be banned forthwith um especially ones that take place like you know, in, in Ibiza or where the fuck, wherever the fuck they or, want to drag people or to. Or Barcelona in a stripper's oh, club. Oh, Bar- exactly. Oh, let's, exactly, let's yeah. not go into that. Let's not, yeah. Listen, no, why we'll do, question for both of you. <laughs> why do you two hate fun? Um, it's it's um, organised fun. It's okay. like forced fun where mm-hmm. you have to do things. I mean, I'm not going to name any specific things because it's some mutual friends we have who forced me to do some. Yeah, I just, I just, I'm not into it. It's not my bag. No, I, I agree. But for the record, agrees. I do love fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't love fun either. I, I hate fun. I hate fun <laughs> as well. It's organised fun. Any kind of fun, I hate it. But, He's not um, joking. No, I'm barely joking. But that was Hempocalypse. Some of us quite liked it. Any, when is it on? That's the good question that I have. It's on the 15th of August at 10pm on BBC Two. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Tuesday, 15th of August, 10pm, BBC Two. And I have no doubt whatsoever they will be available on the iPlayer, as these things are as well. Let's move on to period drama. 
Sanditon, right? <laughs> what is it? Why are you saying that? What is it? Like is that? it San? How do you say it? Because it's been driving me crazy. What is it? Sanditon. Sanditon. I think it's Sanditon. I think it's Sanditon, isn't it? Sanditon. 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 Why are you saying it like that? Sanditon. It's got to be something. Okay, Sanditon. What are we calling it for this? Sanditon. 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 Okay, great. Let's let's, let's stop saying Sanditon. Okay. Sanditon is back. Sanditon is back. And now I say it's back, right? Sanditon has a fascinating history because it started out on ITV as it was then known, before it was renamed ITV1, as it's now known. And back then, when the first season went out on ITV, it wasn't a massive hit. And so they did not recommission it. In fact, they axed it effectively. But BritBox, which is the streaming service for British shows that goes out in America, it became quite a big hit for them. And it got a fan base built around its BritBox thing. So BritBox themselves commissioned a second season and they showed it. And I think that was shown on ITV as well at a a later date, like fairly recently. And now we get this third season, which has been taken over by ITV again. And ITVX, their streaming service, is showing it first this week on Thursday, from Thursday onwards. But you will eventually be able to see it on ITV1, as it's now known, instead of ITV. Okay, what did you make of Sanditon? Okay, so <laughs> I watched this the first time around on ITV, not ITV1, um, because I'm I'm a huge period drama fan and I love Jane Austen, so I was really excited about this. So we should say that this is a um, historical drama which has been adapted by Andrew Davies, the king of period dramas, as we know. He did Pride and Prejudice. I mean, he's done everything, pretty much War and Peace. And he was basing this on the unfinished manuscript by Jane Austen. Um, so when it first... Um, TX and on ITV I was really super excited and I was one of the people who probably um, led to it being cancelled in that I switched off after two episodes it's your fault yep I'm taking responsibility I know sorry sorry Sanditon Um, (laughs) it was for me it was like it wasn't as engaging as any of her other books or any of the other adaptations so it was quite light on action and the characters you just didn't invest in them as much. Like, you know, the other period dramas, you, Pride and Prejudice, each of the Bennett sisters, you you have an attachment to in some way. They've got a story to tell in the overarching story of her, their mother wanting to set them all up, as well as the side characters. With this, it was just like, it was very hard to sort of invest in them, care about them. I mean, Chris Marshall was great in it. They had a good cast, but yeah, it just, and it just lacked the finesse. I think, and flair of the other adaptations. So I, I actually just switched off after two episodes. This, so this is the first episode of the third series, and I think it was an engaging opening episode, and I think it's obviously benefited from having, for, my, for me and my experience of it, two previous series. Obviously a lot has happened, so then this third one was packed with action and was a bit more, um, yeah, I cared a bit more about the characters. I just, <laughs> more than anything, I just found this episode. I mean, I think anyone who's invested in the series is going to love seeing it. This is the final series, so we'll want to see how it concludes. For me, I just found it entertaining, and there were some moments that I was just like, what is going on? There's It opens with the, I'm trying to find the character's name. I think it's Edward. So Anne Reed is fantastic in this as like a, she's a disagreeable, sort of perpetually displeased Lady Denham. And her nephew, Edward, from the previous series, he's a wrong'un. And so <laughs> the in the opening scenes, we see that Edward is essentially being not waterboarded, he's being hosed down vigorously um, as a way of bettering his mind. 
for him to resist temptation. And it was just such a ridiculous moment where it's just like this shameless attempt to create a new Darcy moment. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Um, and there were quite... F- I thought they really muffed that moment, right? Because you're absolutely right. It's a, obviously an attempt to, yeah, to remind us all of... You don't see anything. Right. They didn't right. exactly. So they I didn't, was like, they didn't, wait, they, I was you like, get a wet, yeah, you, get, you get a bit of a wet shirt, but nothing more. Yeah, you, it's like, no, no, you get a wet so collar. I was like, pan down, show yeah. us the money shot. It was there was no money. Right. <laughs> no period penis for you, Stephanie. No, but that's exactly my point that they kind of like set up this whole thing is to be remind us of yeah of that of Colin Firth coming out of the water etc. Mm. Yeah, but they just completely muffed it and they and, and they didn't really show it properly anyway. Yeah. So carry on. Sorry, so I thought that was mad. Yeah. Um, also, I just need to discuss with you. There's a really annoying kid. Now I'm at hastily added, not the actor, the oh. character, right? Leo, who is this completely yeah. precocious and annoying young kid who, you know, asks awkward questions, which kids do. But it's so obviously he's so of his device. He's a device there, right? To just move the story forward and to get certain questions asked. So, like in this instant, he asks his, I don't know if it's his aunt or cousin or whatever. Um, like ask why she needs to get married. And then Alexander Colburn, who is the um was the love interest of Charlotte, he's there to deliver some home truth. So like women need to marry for security. And then obviously the kid asks, like, well, why aren't you married? And it's like, oh, he's fussy. You know, like it was just so obviously done. And I think this is what I think this lacks subtlety. And um it just, yeah, it just didn't feel it doesn't feel a prestige period drama. Um, there was some bad CGI as well with, uh, mm. I don't know if anyone, the <laughs> Snapdragon. Um, and I think that kind of yeah. just sums it up. I think it has, it has potential, it had potential, but I think also because the, the kind of original material wasn't there, you know, I think yeah. it suffered from that. I agree. Can I just, I agree with everything you say. I felt like the set looked like, you know, when you go to a model village, it looks <laughs> yeah. a bit like, do you know what I mean? It looks a bit like yeah. that. I was like, oh no, I can't get on board with this. I, you know, obviously I, I don't have the benefit of seeing the first two and I have to say I'd never heard of it before, which is, I love, I again, I love a period drama. I really do, but I'd never, I'd never even heard of this. Um, I I really obviously really liked Ben Lloyd Hughes' character Alexander Colburn because he felt a bit like he's got a bit of the Ryan Gosling's about him and I thought he was quite he was quite pleasing to the eye and I do love you know kind of these yearning love period you know classic period love yearning yearning love stories that, that that's great but I for me and maybe it's because I hadn't watched the previous two seasons I felt like there were too many characters there was almost too many. Too, too many kind of subplots going on. So you've got the subplot with um, um, the hotel thing. You've got the subplot with the, the, you know, the other guy's sexuality. You've got the subplot with the money. You, it almost felt like, oh God, I don't know actually what to care about in this. But yeah, it, it, Kay, I completely agree with you. It, it lacks the finesse you want and the, 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 there's something, there's no kind of, even like the, you know, so they have this kind of big coming out, coming of age party and even that it looked like you know just like quite a done up corner of costa for me do you know what i mean it just it wasn't it, it just it really did it just wasn't quite it didn't have- but also steph didn't you find that the chemistry between charlotte and your favorite alexandra i found it was like chemistry free zone there's like oh, comically yeah. robotic like- dancing between them but yeah. um i was like do you know what she could take him or leave him that's what i thought and he uh, i didn't i didn't 
I almost didn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is, I know what you mean. It is. Do you know what? It's, 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 I think it's a false economy um, when you're doing a, a, a period drama. And this feels like a period drama on a budget. That's the problem. So, yeah. And in I a think, model village. And I think. In a Costa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a false economy because. We've we've seen too many, you know. We've seen Downton Abbey now, you know. Yeah. Downton Abbey, where, for, for whatever whatever you think of it, you know, for its faults and whatever, was partly a phenomenon because it was so lavishly mounted, yeah. And it felt like, you know, it. Re- I mean, actually, fun, I was going to say it felt like it was filmed in a proper stately home. It really was yeah. filmed in a proper stately home. Whereas you're right, this, also Bridgerton. I mean, on one of, Bridgerton is the most yeah, is the most right. obvious of current example of yeah. how it how sure. it should be done. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost intrinsically has to be lavish now. I'm sure the make producer of this would 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 say, well, "Hold on, this is a smaller scale well, story. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, this is not yeah. fair enough. You're not dealing, which is fair enough. But I, but I, I just think it's slightly diminished. It feels like a smaller thing because of that, and I think that's a bit of a shame. Because I, I, as to your point about your point about all the too many storylines is really interesting. Because again, that's the that's the Downton you know model. Down, he used to have you know he would have like twenty characters you know introduced in ten minutes, and you know. Give you give them have about a, a storyline each, and by the end of the, an hour, you were like completely fascinated by at least half of them. But it's a, but it's a difficult trick to pull off, and I agree with you. I think there are too many um, threads in this in this story. It's almost like if you if it shows like a, a certain lack of confidence with the bit with the important threads when yeah, you have exactly. so many other little. So it's, so it's yeah. like they don't believe in what what it is for me is it's it's you can always feel that they don't believe in the main love story. So they've got yeah. to have like this hotel and this other guy, right. and, you know, all of that other stuff because actually it's not convincing. Right. I mean, the whole basis of the I remember of the first series, the whole base, the whole concept of the show, uh, 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 really, apart from the fact that it's adapted from an unfinished novel, um, is. That is all about the start of British seaside life, wasn't it? Like it was like this was the beginning of you know what ha- people didn't used to go to the seaside for you know for, for for fun until this period apparently, and this and suddenly everyone decided oh this is so that's quite interesting. It's like social history, quite interesting. Then that's been underlying the thing as it goes on. But I thought that I, it made me laugh. Some of it, I thought the the main the main woman Charlotte Hayward played by Rose Williams who is got her new betrothed guy the new guy <laughs> who is so dull i found yeah. his dullness quite funny and that at one point she says she's asked by her mate like what does she you know is she like in love with him or something he says she says i'm very fond of him <laughs> it's like oh my <laughs> it's god it's the most you can you know. hope for yeah, yeah. It's the most you can hope for. But the poor guy, Cal Bridgen, Kai Bridgen, sorry, does a really good job, funnily enough, of making him dull. Mm-hmm. And, it, and yeah. you really do feel sorry for everyone involved. <laughs> but it's quite a bold move to have a dull character as your new, as a kind of focal point in a way. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's quite funny, mm. slash bold, brave to have his dullness as a, as a kind but of key storyline. But don't you think the whole thing has got this like B plot energy, B like yeah, B strand energy? So yeah. I think it's kind of a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, but on the plus side, on the plus side, the cast is really good. Yeah. Like I think it, Chris when Marshall's got Anne, great. Anne Reed, yes, Chris Marshall's, Chris Marshall's yeah. funny, and Anne Reed is just magnificent. Mm. I mean, Anne Reed, fresh from the Sixth Commandment, right? 
the absolutely brilliant yeah. performance in the Sixth Commandment. She is having a fantastic time. She's eighty-seven, I believe. No, and you know, she really she's never been in more in in, in, in demand. You know, I read an interview with eighty-eight. She is, she's in fact, um, and she's never been in more demand. She was saying in an interview the other day. You know, she gets stuff offered stuff all the time, but she's so brilliant. In this, she has to be quite you know fleet of foot. She's like running around avoiding James mm. Bolam at one point in, in one scene. The le- oh, the I did James quite Bolan. enjoy. I did quite enjoy that little subplot. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that Anything was fun. Anything with Lady so Denim are- and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I quite enjoyed it. You know, it, it's definitely like not peak. It's definitely not top level period drama. But it, I do think it's got better since the first series. Yes. Yeah, oh my god. It, okay. yeah. it definitely has. I would say it's in, it's non essential but enjoyable. Mm. Oh. Okay. That will be, as ever, that will be on the poster. Oh, sorry. For, for, don't apologise to me. Apologise to Sandy Tom. Um, Sandy Tom. I would if I knew San, where that was. Sandy <laughs> is back on this Thursday on ITVX, and I'm sure it will be on ITV1 at a later date, as all shows on ITVX are, funnily enough. Finally, and somewhat unusually, yes, you may know that in the summer months, let me just say this: in the summer months on TV, it's all—it's traditionally like the doldrums of television. It's where there's a lot of repeats. Basically, the TV industry, all the bigwigs go on holiday, or they go to the Edinburgh TV Festival at the end of August. They can't be bothered to to run new stuff. And the other thing is, if you do run new stuff during this period, funnily enough, no one watches it. The high, <laughs> well, no, 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 people do watch it, but it gets judged. Like, I've seen a lot of reviews of, for example, Wolf. People saying, "Oh, this has been dumped on BBC One now in the summer because they're embarrassed about it." I don't know if that's true. I think they're probably quite proud of the madness of Wolf. Um, but it's the thing people say. But anyway, this is a long-winded way of me justifying the fact that the final show we're reviewing this week is, on one level, it's a bit reality TV-ish. It's certainly a factual show. It's certainly running wild with Bear Grylls. And, but, the first guest on the new series is Benedict Cumberbatch. And, in fact, the lineup for this series is pretty astonishing. He's got Bradley Cooper, Cynthia Erivo, Rita Ora. So I felt justified Brand, in suggesting. Your favorite, Brad. You my won't favorite. be watching that one. No, I will not be watching the Russell Brand episode. Or maybe I will just for kicks, just to see what daft nonsense he comes up with um anyway my justification for suggesting we review this is it's star-studded it's got benedict cumberbatch it's who knows so yes what did we think of it steph oh okay listen i just want to start by saying that benedict cumberbatch is incredible i love everything he does i love everything about him i love his wife um she's beautiful i love I just i could not love benedict cumberbatch more and if i wanted to go on a on a peaceful stroll with Benedict Cumberbatch on a cliffside um, in the way that Bear Grylls did, I would be very happy. But what I would not say is I would not say that I was running wild with Benedict Cumberbatch when I was not running and I was doing nothing particularly Although, wild. Wait, 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 wait. This is what I was going to, I was going to step in earlier when Boyd was announcing this. We should use the official title, full title, which is Running Wild with Bear Grylls, colon, The Challenge. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Right. Fine. Good but the point. challenge in this part is okay. So the whole thing is they talk about like, are they going to make it to the extraction point? Okay. This first episode, they're on the Isle of Sky. All right. Um, beautiful. If you've ever been to the Isle of Sky, it's incredible. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay. So have you been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there several oh, times. Wow. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. It, it it's beautiful, rugged landscape. It's gorgeous. Okay. But it's not. 
particularly treacherous, I would what? say, when they're walking Wait. along. Hold on, Whoa. hold on. Dude. When they're Wait, walking along the giant when pebbles. They're like, Oh, no, the, I'm on. sorry. The way they shoot, the way they shot it, it's like make it, it's like they shot from below. So it's like you're looking up, you know, when he's Steph, bounding it was a down a little bit. It was a massive no, it cliff wasn't face. A mountain. No, it was a it cliff was like, face. It had little bits. It was of, a cliff face. No, it had bits of grass verge on it. I'm sorry. What? And then he gets <laughs> See, wait, down. Are that you describing bit? this as a hillock? <laughs> yeah, it, it's. <laughs> it, uh, there isn't. I didn't feel. I, I don't want him to be, but I didn't feel that Benedict was in any way in any kind of imminent danger, okay, in this. I want, <laughs> wow. like, wow. I didn't. Okay, I, you I didn't. are banana crackers. That's And official. then they walk across the beach and then they just walk up the other side and then they're just along a straight path and they're like, oh God, I think the rain's going to come in. The rain doesn't come in, just comes in a little bit. They have a bit of seaweed, they have some limpets because they can't catch the lobster and then they go off on a boat and that's fine. So you hold on. Your criticism of this show is that it wasn't, it didn't put Benedict Cumberbatch in enough danger. No, no, that Benedict yeah, be- didn't die. That's the main takeaway. No, no, no. Steph, I do. Not- I love Benedict. What I don't like is I don't like the the like you know the severe soundtrack of danger without any danger. That's what I don't enjoy. I respectfully disagree. Like, I mean, I I would have liked to see more, like them do a bit more. Maybe I can agree with that. But like, I mean, the guy had to like abseil whatever the uh, you know repel off the side of a cliff face um with a makeshift what do he call those claw things i can't remember he had an official name um which he had to like shove into the ground and hope they took his way um and he had to scale this massive massive cliff face i think it was i mean one of my whole things was like sure and he had to, uh, at one point um bear does it for him and then he has to do it on his own. He has to redo the knots himself and he has to secure himself and make sure he gets done oh, safely. Oh, Benedict. And- he has to tie a knot himself. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like, it's it's just, I'm sorry. It's That was not, like, he needs to be in a, some sort of, there's just, there was no danger there at all. Sorry, Kay. I'm sorry. I No, don't apologise to me. I think you've got to apologise to Bear and Benedict. Um... No, I, I, I really, I did think there was enough um, danger in it. And what I really liked is the fact, just getting this insight into um, Benedict's early years, he was talking about the fact that he's had a couple of near-death experiences and he's made him want to embrace life and everything it has to throw at him. And he wants to grow, you know, he wants to build resilience. And that's why he was doing it. And I thought the really nice thing was this connection. The reason why they went to the Isle of Skye is because his grandfather was a submariner in, the, in World War II. And Bear wanted to take him there because that's where he trained and he served. Um, and so there were really quite a few nice moments where um, Benedict sort of felt, felt connected with his grandfather and the things that he was doing. So I overall, I enjoyed this. Yeah. Can I just say, I loved all that. Loved when he talked about his near-death experience. <laughs> loved when he talked about his grandfather. Loved everything about Benedict. I'm just talking about the act- the action. The action part of this for me mm. was severely lacking. I mean, we at one point, we're literally just wa- watching them walk <laughs> ac- across a bit of grass. <laughs> Like that, the, the I mean, it's true. It and is he's just, true. And he's just trying to find. Yeah, it's like they're walking, and he's like, and and if Bear says one more time, you know, you've really got to be careful of falling rocks. No <laughs> falling rocks appeared. Not one. Not even like a tiny pebble. Not once. So I you didn't wanted, have to be. You yeah, didn't have to be scared yeah. about the falling rocks. 
Uh, who knew you wanted Benedict Cumberbatch to be no, attacked again, by some falling I rocks? I don't want him to. Well, I, just, I, don't I, mean, want, sounds, I don't want to pretend uh, yeah. that he's in imminent danger when <laughs> I've seen him walking in a straight line to try and find the cash cache that they keep talking about. <laughs> and that, that somebody's just put, it's just a, And it's just a rucksack that somebody on the crew has put somewhere else. You know, and it's like, and then he just goes, you know oh, what? it's just in plain sight. <laughs> oh my God. That's what Benedict actually says. He goes, oh yes, there it is. He's using this device <laughs> to try and find it. He's going, beep, 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 beep. Like, oh no, it's there. It's there in front of my actual eyes. <laughs> Steph, I, yes. I, I love this, uh, this, this criticism. It's brilliant. But did you, are you forgetting the fact, the very first scene, right, of this show is um is bear arriving in a helicopter not in a helicopter hanging off a helicopter and he picks up cumberbatch and they both hang on to this fucking helicopter which flies them to wherever and at the end of it cumberbatch touches down and goes well i mean we could have flown in that the helicopter as, as opposed to outside the helicopter but fair enough i thought fucking hell good on him that is yeah, pretty I incredible think, isn't it that's I a good <sighs> Cajones for trying. I'll that. give no, him look. I'll give impressed. him the helicopter thing. But what I'm saying, if you're going to start with the helicopter, okay, then you don't do straight walk along what looks like a, a, a primary school sports field. That's what I'm saying. You need to like then you need to up the ante. Of all the shows we're reviewing, I did not expect this show to cause the ramp. No, I know. Okay, I know, I'm sorry. I know. I'm brilliant. Brilliant surprise. But I right. My I love. I do love Benedict Cumberbatch more than you love Benedict Cumberbatch. I think no, in the Benedict no. Cumberbatch fan. No, yeah, come on. Okay. How many times have you interviewed him? How oh, many times have you been on set well, no, on. For, le- for legal reasons, I'm not allowed within ten feet. But thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I love Cumberbatch. It is. It is not controversial to say. So I. I very much enjoyed this hour in his company, and um, and as Kay says, you learnt. You really see, and I've always thought this about him. There's something otherworldly about him, and something like there's there's two types of men in this world, right? There's men who will volunteer in their gap year to go to a Tibetan monastery in Darjeeling, India, and there's ones who will stay at home watching TV. And I'm very much in the latter group. And I just, it's like a whole different, just a whole different approach to life that Cumberbatch has. There is the absolute opposite to my own because I'm, you know, lazy, happy, watch TV. I've carved a career. I've watched TV and films. He is like fucking action man writ large. And his kind of engagement with this whole thing. I know, all right, maybe it wasn't hard enough. Maybe it wasn't enough danger. But that's my point. Honestly, that is my point. He is, he is someone, right, who he had from the outset of this gone, like literally I'll kind of, basically I'll do anything. It's, you know, what I want to get out of my life is just do all the exploration. I've got these, (laughs) you know, insights into my soul and I just want to push myself and do all this. And then, and then, then it was just like, okay, we'll make him do something really difficult. All right. Okay, sorry. Well, okay, some of it, some of it may not have been as hard as, and, and but that's the whole fun of this show, isn't it? They, they, they do kind of make make they film it in such a way as it looks really treacherous and dangerous, and you know, and I mean, he was very high up in the air. I mean, I, I was fine with it, I have to say. Well, but the big thing about, all right, yeah, what's what else? Steph? No, it's me. No, it's it me. wasn't me. It's oh, Kay. Um, Kay. No, well, I was just going to say also from a technical point of view and their insurance, there's surely got to be a cap to what they yes. can do with it. Yes, them. of course, of course. And it looks beautiful, brilliantly yeah, filmed. It does. I have gorgeous. To say. It, it does look absolutely. Gorgeous. But the best thing about of this whole episode was the ending, which we can't give away. No, no spoilers. That is incredible. But honestly, honestly, all the phrase the only phrase I will use is I called in a favour with the British Royal Navy. Mm. That's all you need to know, listeners. And I, I would best say man. very much 
you will watch this show on National Geographic. So Running Wild with Bear Grylls, colon the challenge, starts on National <laughs> Geographic on Sunday, the 20th of August with this Benedict Cumberbatch episode. And it's well worth sticking to the end because the ending is incredible. It's like ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? So, yes. Steph, you may have issues with not pushing Cumberbatch far enough, but it was pretty amazing that ending. All, all I'm saying is if I had Benedict Cumberbatch, I would, you know, I'd use him to his full potential. That's all you I'm saying. You would totally push okay. him over the edge. Yeah. Look. Yeah. You'd never get insurance if Steph was in charge. <laughs> let's hope let's hope Steph never gets to be the producer of Running Wild with Bear Girls the Challenge series eight, nine, and ten or whatever. Anyway, that is that concludes, I think we could safely say, the review section of the podcast. Um, what's our pick of the week? Ooh, um, mine is gonna be um, I think mine's gonna be the Cumberbatch. It's gonna be Bear Girls, yeah. yeah. I'm going Cumberbatch as well. Yeah. Steph. No, I'm going to say, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it because Benedict Cumberbatch is, is is amazing to listen to. I'm just saying, just he prepare is. yourself, okay? He's not he's not doing and anything too give, crazy. I mean, you have to give Bear Grylls, um, you know, he gets what an incredible guest list he has. And oh, he had God, the fucking yeah. president of the United yeah. States on Barack, yeah. Barack Obama. So yeah, he does get and Bradley Cooper, as I mentioned, Cynthia Erivera, Rita Ora, and that absolute doofus Russell Brand are on this <laughs> series, which starts next Sunday. Other also out. Harlan Coben's Shelter, Kay. I know you're a big fan of Harlan yes, Coben adaptations. But I got excited about this one and I thought it was the next yeah. big one, but actually it's well, the YA one, right? It's YA, steady. No, no reason not to get excited. It's 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 an adaptation of Harlan Coben's young adult novels, yes. That's coming on Friday to Prime Video, but it's heavily embargoed to that date, so we can't review that. Hopefully, I'm sure we'll review that on um, Pilot Plus. There's a series called The Chosen One starting on Netflix on Wednesday, which looks quite cuckoo bong um, in a way. Let me have a look. Yeah, it's about a 12 year old boy in California who suddenly discovers he has Jesus like powers and mm. can turn water into wine, etc. Useful. And that is adapted. Yeah, that's adapted from a, a story by Mark Miller, um, who writes, you know, all the, uh, all the kind of uh, exciting superhero stuff, etc. Um, so that's weird. But we, I haven't been given access. We, we haven't been given access previews for that uh, but it is arriving on wednesday maybe that's another contender to do for pilot plus that's the chosen one i think it's actually a um kind of mexican show uh with spanish sub with spanish language with english subtitles just to say but still a very interesting project and um i think that's about it i think, I think there's anything else particularly we need to oh i tell you what there is also this thing allison and larry bill and ricky to barry which is allison stemman and larry lamb going on the journey of the characters from gavin and stacy that'll be fun and russell tovey pops up in that okay that'll be yeah, great that'll oh be russell tovey i miss him i haven't seen him for ages in anything yeah, what has same. he been in no he's got a big show coming up he's has got a big he? show coming up um yeah uh created by the comedian moan rizwan mm, um, okay. which is gonna be very funny where he plays his he plays his boyfriend in that oh brilliant um, that's okay gonna be good. i'll yeah. welcome him back anyway I think we've I think we've come to an end, Steph and Kay, of our non-James splaining episode, our well, thank, second non-James splaining yeah. episode of, of the Pilot TV podcast. Thank you How's for having me you? back. I mean, I've in, I've enjoyed it, guys. I think Benedict we, we, Cumberbatch needs to sleep with one eye open. Okay, I'm just Benedict right, Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Again, I love him. Okay, <laughs> I love him. We've and got he's the message. Amazing. Anyway, he is amazing. Um, final reminder: if there are still tickets left, Ricky Gervais is our special guest on the uh, next. The next episode of this podcast will be the live episode recorded next Saturday, the nineteenth of August, with Ricky Gervais and other guests. And Ricky will be doing a career-spanning chat 
and it will be fantastic. So do get tickets now if you haven't got them already. It's all very exciting. We'll be back then with James and everything. And now all I have to say is pilot out.